Well, you can turn to uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 12 is what we, 1 through 11 is what we'll be looking at today. Uh, we're skipping around a little bit because um, we just with our summer schedule, um, a few of our speakers had to kind of change things around, and so next week um, we'll kind of be jumping around. But So I'm going to share today from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And uh, as you're turning there, I just uh, wanted to just share with you quickly, you know, yesterday I was uh, moving some car seats around between our vehicles and of course I did it at 12 o'clock for some reason. And so I was just, I mean, hot, sweaty, uh, and just like sweat coming down, running down my nose and all this guy. It was just awful. And uh, when I was doing that, it just reminded me of my childhood because many of you know I was born and raised in Houston. 100 degree weather is every single summer. And so we'd work outside. I mean, I'm used to the heat and all that. And it just reminded me uh, about my childhood. And I can remember uh, times when I was working with my dad on something outside. It was hot or I was irritated. And I wanted to go do something else and be more comfortable. I can remember one time we were changing the alternator on, on a vehicle. And it was just taking too long for my taste. And uh, I wanted to be doing other things. I was probably in elementary school or junior high. And I can just remember feeling like how it took just forever. And it was hot out, and it was irritating and uncomfortable. And uh, a couple of years ago, I was changing a, something on my vehicle, and it was a light bulb, a headlight. And just kind of the way it was positioned, it was very difficult to get to. And so I Googled it, and everybody complained about how difficult this headlamp, uh, headlight was to change. And I remember going in there and you know, cutting my hand, trying to access it, and figuring out what the way to, to do this, and it just took a long time to do. And I just remember to kind of connect these things that uh, I have this staying power when I'm doing something. I just have this no quit mentality. I have this staying power, this endurance, uh, no matter kind of what I'm doing. And I remember when I was changing that light, it was just no, no brainer for me. You just keep going. You know, you figure it out, you research, maybe ask somebody, you just keep going. And no complaints, no issues during that time. And I remember it, well, it's probably come from my watch, working with my dad and watching my dad and having those experiences in times when I just didn't understand what was going on. Uh, you know, I tell you those stories this morning to remind you that uh, sometimes when we're in difficult times, we don't understand the fruit that it will produce. And that's why the message of First Peter, uh, this epistle, is so powerful. Because ultimately, Peter is telling them, listen, you cannot make suffering the center. Uh, you have to recognize there's a greater purpose, there's greater meaning to it, and that this is just for a little while. He's essentially trying to convince them that, listen, it's okay to suffer. It's okay to be in persecution. It's okay to have the whole world in this Roman world they're living in, this whole world against you, it feels like, and be alone and isolated. It's okay because God has purpose behind it. And the center of your life is not the most painful thing in your life. If I could just convince my younger self of that 20 years ago when I began to follow Jesus, life would probably have been a lot easier. Just because it hurts the most doesn't make it the most important, the most center. And that's what Peter's trying to say. He's like, listen, when you suffer, when you could give your life, when Peter does eventually give his life and he's martyred, listen, at some point, Peter lives out this life and he says, listen, this is actually something Having God as a center of your life in this message, and then you just got to hold on, you just got to endure, and God is bringing about inside of you a fruit that can only be brought about by Him. That's why these uh, verses are so important. That's why every passage we teach on this month and next month is so 
important to your life because I want to tell you and remind you, church, today, you know, don't give up. I want to remind you that it's just for a little while. I want to remind you of your eternal perspective. Uh, and I want to remind you that the center isn't suffering. God's working something more important, more powerful, and suffering isn't your God, okay? So I want to remind you of that this morning. So let's read 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Uh, I'm going to go through a few verses here like I've been doing kind of quickly. And then I actually want to spend a little more time on applying this to some areas of our life. And hopefully you can kind of use that as an example as well for you in your own personal study as well. So reading 1 Peter chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. You know, your college days. I'm just kidding. Verse 4. They think uh, it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on, on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Verse 6. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to, the, to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. At the end of all things, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled. You may, in your translation, you may say sober or alert, so that you can pray. Verse 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering, God, administering God's uh, grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through, the, through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I tell you, 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 know, you read these verses, and if we're the New Testament church reading this for the first time, hearing this from Peter, to talk about the contrast of life, in, a, in some ways it may be almost like, no, I can't believe this to be true. I can't live this way. I can't live in such a way that my life is around that which I can't see, and that I can't live this way when it's so painful or hurtful or so hard. We can't live this way. And Peter digs, digs in deeper, and he says, listen, you can actually live for God in this crazy evil world. In verse 1, this is so, so important, okay? Uh, Peter is essentially saying something that can really revolutionize, revolutionize how you live your life, okay? In verse 1, he talks about how we should take on this attitude of Jesus suffered too, okay? Like that's an attitude. Remember, our Lord Jesus suffered in his body as well. And He's saying, listen, if you've suffered in your body, you're done with sin. And I just process, like, what, what does that mean? Like, if you've suffered in your body, that you're done with sin. It seems like we're suffering in our body. Sin's got you. <laughs> you know, it's like the other way around. But I think what Peter's trying to say is like, listen, uh, fear is so powerful. And the fear of pain is so powerful. We'll run from that which could cause us that pain and fear. We've talked before, Esther's, Pastor Esther's talked about this before, how in fear moments we can 
get paralyzed, we freeze, we can fight, we can flight, we run. Fear is such a powerful force. And in verse 1, he's essentially saying, listen, if you take on this attitude and you embrace that you're going to suffer, then the fear gets a lot smaller and the control over your decisions and behaviors gets a lot smaller too. Essentially, Peter's saying is, fear, whatever amount of fear you have, however you, that comes out into your life, uh, in how you maybe aren't transparent or vulnerable with others, how you guard, how you protect, how you go on, a tra on attack, how you go on the run, maybe you've been running from things you're scared of. Uh, essentially, you don't have to make decisions that are going to prevent that from happening. It's okay if it happens. It's okay if they reject you. It's okay if you hurt your body. It's okay if it doesn't work out. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's gonna hurt, I didn't say that. Peter says it's gonna hurt, but he's saying it's okay because it's just for a little while and that cannot ultimately control you because Jesus, and he spends chapters one and two as we've looked at this, talking about how Jesus forgives us and we will be living with him forever. See, even when you suffer, you can trust God to be enough. You're done with sin because you aren't scared of what it can do to you anymore. You're not scared of sin because the worst it can do, he's big enough to handle. See, fear can actually change in your life. Verses 1 and 2, uh, Peter talks about kind of this contrast of, okay, you live for God and his will versus the pleasures of this world and all these things that people that don't know God do. Uh, this is really important to recognize that although it's really hard and it sometimes doesn't seem possible in your life depending on the season you're in, you can choose who to serve. Another way to say that is you can choose who to submit to. You can submit to your desires uh, or you can submit to God's will. The important part of this is that actually you can be free. Uh, the contrast here of how he says the pagans, people who don't know God, the way they live is for themselves, is for pleasure, for satisfaction. And yet, it seems foolish the way the people of God live. And that they don't live for things in this world. And he's ultimately saying you can actually be free so that you don't have to keep doing those evil desires. You can actually be free so you don't get stuck in that addiction. You can actually be free so that whatever thing you're having to cope it actually can change, right? And you don't have to continue to do that. You can actually be in a space where you are free to make good choices. You are free to live according to the will of God, which sometimes seems so far away, doesn't it? It seems so far away to live righteous, to be righteous, to love our enemies. These crazy things that Jesus talks about. And Peter's saying, whoa, no, 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 no. You can be free. You can actually submit to the will of God, and that can happen in your life. And in Peter's context, as he's sharing to these people who are suffering, he's telling them the will of God in your life is not no, isn't no suffering. That's not what it is. The will of God in your life is freedom. The will of God in your life is freedom to make a choice, to a righteous choice. The will of God in your life is not to and be in a place where there's no pain. The will of God in your life is so that fear gets smaller. The control of fear in your life gets smaller. This is the will of God. And Peter says, you can experience freedom. And he's speaking to people under persecution. And so I can say that to you today too. Whatever that hold is on your life, whatever these past couple years maybe have 
this past year and a half has kind of brought to the surface that you've seen, you can be free. You can be free. Okay. In uh, verse 7, uh, I like the way Peter says this. He says, you know, the end of all things is near. Well, because of that, be clear-minded and self-control. I said the word, they're sober. Uh, listen, you, you, uh, can, you, you need to do the um, hard work of working on your mind. How many of us know our minds wander? Uh, in behavioral psychology, they all talk about this whole thing of like, uh, work on your mind and then your life starts changing. And all these executive coaching stuff I read, all these things that aren't even Christian, they all talk about the mind and how important it is. And I'm like, man, Peter's saying it right here. Be, you know, have a sober, clear mind to have the eternal perspective. And why do you do that? You don't just do it to do better in life. You do it so you can pray. Doesn't sometimes prayer feel foolish or seems like, why am I even praying? This doesn't work. But Peter's saying, you're in a suffering season of your life. The government is against you. You could die for your faith. These things are very, very difficult. And he's saying, be clear-minded. Have a sober mind. Have some control over it so that you don't go down those dark roads in your mind. Rather, so that you can sit in prayer. You can go to that God that you can't see. You can sit in prayer in which seems so foolish or impractical so that you can pray. And the point here, church, is uh, one tool to live well in suffering. It's prayer. I would say most often our times of prayer and suffering is for the suffering to end. But if we take verse 4 or verse 1 to heart and Jesus, we take this attitude Jesus had that he suffered in the body. If I have that attitude, then maybe my number one prayer isn't that my suffering would end. See that? There's a shift there to where the goal isn't the end of suffering. But if I take on this attitude that you know, Jesus suffered in his body, and I will too, that I'm free to experience God in a different way. And then I can understand that maybe my prayer needs a shift to, Lord, in this moment, let me not fear, and let me not have fear control me so much that I can't be free to do your will. But there's a shift that happens. This is what Peter is essentially trying to convince them of. There's really this whole letter. Shift your mindset to where you don't just choose based on what's going to hurt or not but rather you have an alert, sober mind to stay in prayer, to know the will of God, and to be able to be free to make that right choice. Uh, verse 8 and 9, uh, Peter throws in love in here. I love this. Uh, you know, in these moments of suffering, these moments of pain, we have every right not to love people, right? Don't we have every right? We like deserve not to love people finally, you know? <laughs> not to serve others, you know? In verses uh, 8 and 9, you know, Peter is saying, listen, above all, you know, loving is better than arguing right. Love is better than being right. Love is better than justice that comes from the emperor. But I'm telling you, based on their feeling and how much it hurts, the best thing is freedom from the emperor. But in chapter 2, as we learned last week, no, 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 no. We don't fear the emperor, we fear God. We honor and value the emperor in his position. And so why can you love when you're not getting what you deserve and what you think is right? And Because ultimately we fear God and know that he loves us the most and we know that 
we can love not based on what is right to us in this world, but we love because we were loved. And we are free. We do not want to love people that hurt us, right? We don't want to serve them. We don't want to be kind to them because they owe us something, because we need something from them. And Peter's saying, don't, don't you get it? When you're finally free, you won't look to people to give you all these things that only God can give you. And when you suffer, if you're free, you can still love them. You can still love that emperor. You can still love these people that are persecuting you. It's good. Verse 10 here. Uh, Peter talks about serving with the gifts you've been given. How many of us would acknowledge that when you're in suffering and your ugly comes out, the last thing you think of is that you're a gift to others? That's my point here, is that you are a gift. And when I suffer, I want to hide. When I suffer and look weak, I don't want to lead. No thank you. When I'm confused or disappointed, no thank you. You know what I mean? Right? But Peter's saying, you're maybe the worst time in your life. You literally could die because of the Roman Empire and the persecution. And he's telling him to serve? Well, how can I serve when I'm like so scared? Well, that's the point. Uh, fear and the control of it has gotten smaller and smaller on your life so that now you're okay with what could happen and you're able still to serve and to be a blessing to the people around you. Uh, Peter says not to grumble, murmur. What that means is, you know, we. We were hospitable, we love, we serve others, but then like really inside, saying, man, I wish I didn't have to do this. Oh my goodness, this is, I, mean, I don't want to do this. I'm t- this is irritating. What Peter is essentially saying is an ideal for us of, if you go down this road of letting go of uh, suffering being kind of the center, if you really can see Jesus, if you can really endure this, you'll begin to recognize that it'll be your joy to serve others because you're doing it for God because you already have that part of your heart filled by him and you don't need the emperor to bless you. I want it, but you don't need it. I want to remind you, church, that in the uh, difficult year that we've all had in this past year and a half, you may feel empty, disappointed. You may feel tired. Financially, people have struggled a lot. Uh, Haven't you struggled with some of your friends who you found out their reviews on Facebook or whatever? Uh, maybe you've struggled with just isolation. It's been really hard. And even now, our struggle of re-engaging the world. This is hard. What do I do? Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? People can give me the evil life. I'm not wearing a mask. Or if I am wearing a mask when I shouldn't. I mean, this whole thing is like depleting. I'll use that word depleting, right? I just want to remind you today um, that your blessing of who you are is a gift to others. And your ability to give and to serve others Uh, It doesn't have to depend on, frankly, how comfortable you are, how inconvenient it is, because God is the supplier of that gift. That's what Peter's saying. This comes from God. And I want to challenge you and encourage you, church, and even in this difficult season that we're in and re-engaging, don't hide from serving others. Be a blessing. Go through your phone like I do and just figure out something you can text. Hey, how can I pray for you today? Um, That's my gift. I'm an encourager. I love engaging with people in that way. I love praying for people. My gift isn't singing, so I'm not singing today. Uh, you know, maybe it's a financial thing that God's blessed you financially. Who could you bless? It doesn't have to be in our community. It could be anywhere, anyone in your world. What can you do? What can you, how can you serve? You are a gift, church. I want to spend some time in applying kind of this message of what uh, Peter is saying. 
to these four areas of life I talk so much about. Shame, pain, fear, and loneliness. I mean, I know I sound like a broken record. I know you're tired of hearing it, but just stay with me on this, okay? Uh, if we look again about what Peter's saying, he's talking about how fear can change. However scared you are, whatever, however it affects you, that control, that influence, it can change. You can choose who to serve. You don't have to always serve your desires, your addiction, your coping. Uh, you can submit to God and his will for your life. You can be free. Uh, one tool to live well is to pray in the middle of your suffering. When it makes no sense, when it doesn't, doesn't look practical, you can pray and be with God, right? Uh, and you can find, you should find the intentionality to figure out, a, to be able to be in that space of prayer, okay? Uh, loving others is better than just being right or getting the blessing from the emperor or whoever in this world you need it from. But really loving others is better. And also that you have been given a gift and you are a gift that you could serve others. Okay. So that's great. And, you know, I, I could give you theological um, background on these things all day long. You know, I love studying scripture. I hope you've learned something and as I've taught you and shared my education and so forth with you. But as your pastor, my concern isn't just in what you know. That's part of it. Uh, as your pastor, my concern is, is how you are able to live this out and how to help you between the gap of, okay, here's scripture, here's what Peter's saying, and then your everyday life and the challenges you will face in this life. Uh, my job is that, that gap, okay, to kind of give you some pathways, give you some ideas, make you kind of, kind of bring those two worlds together so that gap gets a little bit smaller. And so actually my prayer is, the longer you know me and the longer I get to speak into your life and the longer you get to see my life is that gap gets smaller and smaller. And so that you're able to live out uh, the scripture and the message of Jesus, really the gospel, uh, much better in your life. And you will become more like Jesus. You're able to be near him no matter what suffering you're going through, what challenge, what worry. And that you will be able to believe actually what Jesus said. See, that's the goal here is to, is to, to me is to become like Jesus. That's the goal. So the gap here, let me help you with that gap today. And you can do this in your own study at home. Uh, I do this all the time. I, my, my wife knows this. I have prayer journals since I was 16. And, you know, if I ever dropped out of a heart attack kind of thing, uh, those prayer journals go to my kids. And that is my gap between Scripture and life. And that's my whole journey of that gap. You know, it's a gift to them one day when they go enough to understand it. And I want to share, help you with a lot, help you with a little bit today as well. I want to first talk about shame, and if you look at this passage, one difficulty you may be having right now in your life, this is not for everybody, but it's for somebody, is the idea that uh, what controls you is the fear of this um, idea that you will be rejected by your world. I didn't say the world or a world or my world, I said your world. Your family and friends, your culture, your workplace, your American citizen, you're here in America, uh, maybe in your church world, uh, you would be rejected by people. Shame is ultimately that awful negative feeling that we're just not good enough. And so when we are so scared that we'll do things that compromise God's word, that are not in the way in which Peter says to live. So there could be an aspect of shame in your life that uh, is keeping you 
from actually doing what Peter is talking about. Uh, the contrast of living according to uh, not knowing God and then knowing God, living according to your desires versus according to God's will. See, our desires are to be accepted. Our desires are to be affirmed. Our desires are to be loved, right? And so we do things that are not from God, our desires, so that that doesn't happen, the rejection piece. People finding out that you are a sinner. People finding out that maybe you aren't that great, right? And so we uh, don't live according to the will of God, and we live according to our desires because we have so much of this, this shame in our lives. We're so fearful of the rejection of this world because we live according to God's will. Pain. Suffering is painful. Over uh, my years of being a pastor and the stories I've heard and also just working in secular fields, people open up, talk to me. Suffering is, oh man, so painful, right? And yet the pain keeps us bound because we just feel like we can't experience it. Like the pain of rejection, right? Uh, the pain of generosity, right? If you give a, little, give a little extra to that neighbor who asked for something, let's say neighbor figuratively, give a little extra to that GoFundMe, the pain of that, you work hard for your money and you're going to give it away, right? That's a, that's a pain there. The pain of something physical that is going on in your life. And, you know, there in, 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 in this world, when Peter's writing this, they're going to suffer and die. What pain is it? Suffering is a pain, and I want to tell you today, you don't have to run from it. The pain of looking into your past. The pain of what Pastor Esther talked about today, telling someone, you hurt my feelings. I never said that as a kid, did you? That's painful. Okay. The fear piece. Um... You know, the fear is that, you know, they could get hurt. I want to tell you another fear here that I think could help you in this gap. There's a little bit of fear for all of us that the doubt piece, that maybe we're wrong about our faith. You ever been there? Where the framework of your faith doesn't fit your life anymore? Uh, as they, as Peter writes this, maybe there's a fear piece there of like, wait, is this really going to work out? It really hurts right now. Under persecution. It's not good. This doesn't seem like a blessing. This doesn't seem like God's will. This doesn't seem great. Be careful, church. There may be a, a fear there for you that, no, I, I, I can't give, I can't serve others. No, that makes sense. No, no, wait, wait. I can't give what I have to others. No, no, no. What about me? You know, I've talked to a few, to a few of you about over this past year and a half of isolation through COVID that for so many of us, we didn't have to pay the price of community. We didn't have to make the sacrifices for other people. We didn't have to pay the price to be in relationship with people. We just kind of said, hey, you can't meet, so I won't see you for a year and a half. Uh, for many of us, we are scared now in some ways to let people back into our lives. In some ways, we are, have a fear of paying a price and not getting anything in return. Listen, I could go on and on about fear in our world today. There's so much fear that happens 
in our nation, in our culture, how our culture is responding to things. Loneliness. Um, In verse 4, Peter says, They think it's strange you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. They heap abuse on you. Um, That's loneliness. When you feel like you're the only one serving God, I've been there in a workplace, school. When you feel like you're the only one, isn't that isolating? Loneliness is not like being away from a group of people. Loneliness is being unheard and unknown and ostracized. You can go to a crowd and be in a crowd and be alone. You can be at a large family gathering like Thanksgiving or Christmas and feel totally isolated. Part of the gap, if you want to grow in this area, is to recognize that you are going to feel alone. You're going to be isolated. And there is some intentionality on your part through love and service, right? That he talks about later in verses 8 and 9 and verse 10. There's going to be some intentionality on your part to face loneliness so it doesn't destroy your life. Love and service will bring community in contrast to the isolation of verse 4. Do you hear me, church? You are going to be isolated in this world. Are you kidding? You are going to feel like a fool. You are going to be on the outside. And you can be in community by the people of God. uh, And you can be in community by people that hate you in ways. Because love and service brings about community in contrast to the isolation of this world. So how can you love and be hospitable without grumbling? It takes some work. You're going to have to face your loneliness. You're going to have to put yourself out there, face some rejection, put yourself out there. But love and service will bring that community that, uh, that you need in your life. What's the shame there in your life right now that's keeping you from this? What's the fear? What's the pain? And how are we going to face loneliness right now as we've all faced in this last year and a half? I'm going to close by going over these three areas that to me is a process, okay? Um, shame, pain, fear, and loneliness is kind of the what of our lives that we need the gospel to work through, okay, permeate. The next part is a process that I think is really the process of discipleship, I guess. Um, I see it in the life of Jesus, and I see it in my own life, and this world, and kind of bringing things together. Is, you know, I've talked about the awareness, understanding, and practice, or rhythms. You know? So if we were to take this passage, and in your, again, I really hope you take some time to reflect on this, but if you take this passage, and I hear this message from Peter, and then you think about your shame, pain, fear, and loneliness, there's kind of this framework, I think, that's a good process to grow in these areas that could take years. Okay. The awareness piece. Here's a question. Um, as you reflect on shame, pain, fear, and loneliness in your life, how are you being challenged with the messages, plural, of this passage? Okay. What comes up the most for you when you're, Peter talks about loving people? What comes up the most for you when, when Peter says, have, have a clear mind and pray, right? 
What comes up the most for you when he's talking about, yeah, take the attitude of Jesus suffering the body. What comes up for you in that moment? See. How are you being challenged? The messages of this passage, uh, awareness and understanding of self and others and God comes from reflection. Reflect on that. Maybe you have a journal like I do. The second piece is understanding. Again, this isn't just a magical thing that happens in 12 minutes. It's a, I'm just understanding things I've been working on shame and taking them like 20 years of my life. Okay, how could you learn more about your response? Whatever response came up, how could you learn more about that? You can go to Google, you can go to me, you can go to a friend, you can go to a spouse, or maybe you can't, I don't know. Uh, how could you learn more about your response? Where does it come from? You can talk to Pastor Esther, maybe she'll give you some resources. Um, why is it so hard for me to love people when I don't feel like people are loving me? Is there a family of origin thing there? Is it a church culture thing? What's going on in the churches I've been a part of? Maybe there is something else going on. What, what is this coping thing that you're in? Where does this come from? How about you spend your life trying to figure that out? It's a pretty good journey. I don't mean to take that lightly. I'm serious because I've been doing this. The last piece is the practice or exercise or rhythm. Use whatever word you want. You know, a practice I would encourage you with is to share with someone uh, your response. Share with someone um, what's going on inside of you when you read this passage. What's, what's hard about this? What is it? What comes up for you? Who could you tell your response to? You say, well, that's not an exercise. That's just like, well, actually, it is an exercise. Sharing with people what's going on inside of you and what God is doing in your life is a wonderful way to build community, to build a relationship with someone. Um, I would recommend you have people in your life on a regular basis that you can just kind of check in with what God's doing in your life. What you've been reading, what you've been learning, what's hard, what are you learning? You know, how, more, how much greater understanding do you have in a certain area of your life? So here's a really great exercise this week. As you read this passage, you know, who could you share with your response to it, the challenge that came up for you? Who could you tell your response to? Okay. Let me go over this again, the awareness piece. Just sit with God. How can you be challenged? How are you being challenged with the messages of this passage in relation to these things in your heart? Shame, pain, fear, moments. Understanding, how could you learn more about this? You like to read? I'm a reader. I love to read, so I have people send me book recommendations. I ask my counselor what books to read. I, learn, I love learning that way. Uh, maybe you're not that way. Maybe there's a different way. You can pray. I mean, I've spent years praying for certain things for, to gain some understanding. Add it to your prayer list. I know we're praying for all these things in our life. I get that, but why don't you pray that you can love people without grumbling or serve people without grumbling? Um, and then the practice piece is, you know, who could you talk, start talking to about these things that God is showing? There's all kinds of practices I could come up with, but that's what I wanted to share with you today. Um, I just want to pray for you today, and then I'll have Nate come and do our last song. But I'm serious when I say that God wants to meet you where you're at. I'm serious when I say that God wants to heal your heart. He wants to transform your heart. I'm serious when I say it, that it's actually possible so that the, mo that the most painful thing in your life isn't the most important thing in your life. That it can actually shift. That the most important thing in your life becomes living for God. 
It becomes having an alert mind so you can pray and be with him. Uh, the most important thing becomes walking with Jesus no matter how painful this world is. That shift I pray for you today to happen. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you that you did suffer in your body to be done with sin, and we are too. Thank you for that. That I don't have to fear, we don't have to fear the worst things that could happen in our body and our pain in this world. But we can let that go knowing, no matter what happens to us, you've got us, you'll be enough, and it's just for a little while. I pray for greater freedom from fear today in our congregation, in our body. Lord Jesus, I pray that the influence of fear on us would decrease so that we can choose better, that we can choose your will, that we can love and serve others, even when it doesn't make sense to, that we can live in this evil world and live well according to how you say to live well. Lord, I pray today for this miracle that suffering and pain won't be the center of our lives, won't be what we arrange, arrange everything around, but we'll be okay with that so we can just arrange it around you, your will, and that we will be free to live uh, for you and to love others around us. I pray today, Lord, as we do face our shame, pain, fear, and loneliness, then Lord, you would help us with this process of being more aware of it, coming to you, seeking understanding, and then to be faithful in a practice to live it out. Be faithful in that practice. So I pray today that someone listening to this would take a new step, a different step, a hard step, a courageous step, a brave step to share with another person what's going on inside of their heart, what you're doing in their life. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And I just thank you for our community. We thank you for the days ahead. Give us courage, Lord, to be faithful to you no matter how painful it may be. In Jesus' name.